Hello and welcome to the Spinners Podcast. My name is Riley and each week we listen to three random 45 RPM vinyls my best friend Nils bought off of eBay. This week we have my friend Sammy with us. She's not as famous as some of the recent people we've had on this podcast, but she means a lot to me and she says cool words like gnarly and twisted. I wish I was more famous than I was, but thank you for the wonderful wow, introduction. <laughs> what an introduction. Your defining characteristic is that you're not as famous as others. But I do use cool words. Cool yeah. Do you actually wish you were you were more famous? No, I was just saying that. I didn't I didn't know how to respond to that intro, but <laughs> <laughs> We also both got vaccinated today, and I wanted to ask you if this process of recording the podcast is more or less frightening than being stabbed in the arm with a needle. Oh man, I I feel like the needle was a lot more intense, but it's, this is a close second, you know? Public speaking is scary. <laughs> Not that this is very public, I'm just in my room. <laughs> right, it's really deceiving. If you had like 50 people out in front of you, like watching you speak, that would be a lot more intimidating than just like, you know, chatting with two other random dudes. Oh, for sure. Do you guys have 50 listeners? Uh, so, something like that, yeah. That's amazing, uh, you know, that's changes. so cool. It depends on who we're interviewing and what how they choose to promote it. Nice. Most people literally, like, I think they want to distance themselves from us. Can you imagine? Oh. <laughs> why, why, why would anyone want that? No, dude, when I, I was recently interviewing people um, for my article, and I asked this guy if he wanted me to send him the article when I was done, and he said no. What the, why? why? Just I don't know. know. How did yeah. you find him to interview him in the first place if he doesn't even want to be in the public eye? I asked him in the honors college group chat. I don't know if he was just not proud of what he had to say and he just wants it to be gone. Maybe that's like noble, you know, he's not in it for the like the big recognition, he's just in it for sharing his story. Maybe he's gonna seek it out by himself and he just didn't want to sound vain. Do you feel like a real journalist yet, Sammy? I feel like I'm getting there. I feel like I'm pretty close because not, I haven't been in print in the Daily Emerald yet, but when I am and I'm walking around campus and I can pick up the newspaper, then it'll be real. Whoa. That's actually, that's a really good way of keeping track of it. I guess right now none of it is physical. It's, it's hard to feel satisfied over a digital product, I guess. I know, but I'm really excited for the physical thing. Does that mean that for this podcast to be, like, to, to feel satisfying, we have to actually print it on vinyl, as that's the only physical form. Oh my of god! Really. Wait, holy shit! Has this been <laughs> talked about before? People p printing podcasts on vinyl? Wait, that's Whoa. a genius idea. <laughs> that's really that cool. That made you way more excited than I thought it would. Well, I, I love this. It's such a terrible image, honestly. Like that makes me really deep, <laughs> deeply sad to think about. Because it's the idea. Okay, like one time my mom referred to the podcast as art. And it got me like really bummed out. Like, wait, <laughs> what? Really dark place. Because this is music criticism, and music criticism is the enemy of art, right? Like, that, <laughs> oh, do you guys dude. agree? Yeah. Is that true? Well, they literally call him the enemy and almost famous. It's terrible. I am dark and mysterious and pissed off, and I could be very dangerous to all of you. I am not sweet, and you should know that about me. I am the enemy. Do you guys feel like? the music press is the enemy of good music. If it is, I don't think that we are close to being the music press. <laughs> I think that primarily we appreciate music and you can't appreciate 
every single song. You have to criticize some, and that criticism is a form of appreciation. You're not the enemy yet. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I would call it the enemy, just because I think that it can genuinely boost artists' careers. And if you're getting press, no matter if it's good or bad, it's attention from fans. I don't know. I don't know if that's what people want all the time, though. Yeah, depends on what you want with your career, I guess. But who gets to decide who gets to be a critic? Like, what? Like, who are we to say what music is good or bad? <laughs> that's so true. I know. And how do people? You have to like build your following, but like, how do people find you and then decide that you're good enough? They have to like give you like the crown and stuff. <laughs> I think that when it comes to being a critic, people just have to agree with you. So then, you know, some people like have things that they know about that they know that they don't like and then they see someone saying, I don't like that. And then they're like, wow, that critic is genius. And then they will like trust the critic when it comes to other things. Oh, but when, when do you gain enough popularity that you can start spitting out hot takes? I think that the hot take is how you gain popularity. You start with the hot take and then you go into a refined discussion. Nice. Because people want to see the anger, you know? They want to see, like, the rants where you're filming yourself in your car for some reason. <laughs> where you're just, like, really angry and fired up. Yeah. Dude, you've got it down. You've got the recipe for success. Yeah, no one cares about positive reviews. And now that I'm thinking about it, like, neither do I, honestly. Unless it's an album that I like. But if it's an album that I've never heard about before, I think it's more interesting to read something that's mean. There's, you just want to see the world burn. <laughs> do you guys agree? Do you feel the same way? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also think that if it's a positive album, I kind of want to experience it for myself before someone tells me what to think about it. Dude, yeah. The idea of someone telling you what to think. That's the whole thing. That's the whole thing. It's what everybody does. They don't know how to feel about an album until Anthony Fantano or whatever releases his review. <laughs> Have you guys ever been like seriously influenced by a music review? Has it ever like changed your mind before? Whoa, that's a good question. I've had conversations with Riley that have really changed my mind about music. I don't think I've read a music <laughs> review that has really changed my mind. Yeah. I, I felt it making me think about the album in a different way with that Bon Iver album that I really love. Like I was reading a bad review of it and I love it. And I was like seeing all the negative points they were making. And it's like, I don't even want to consider this, right? Like yeah. if I'm having a good time now, why should I consider bad things about the thing I like? like so that was kind of the one that was like, I'm not going to revisit this. Did you did you agree with any of the points and then get scared? Almost, almost. It wasn't to the point that I actually got like insecure, but it just, it, it was from a different perspective. And I realized that I was so caught up in my own perspective. I hate that whole thing. I hate the idea that there's no objective truth. Can we just create objective truth, please? And then you'll always know what's right when you're thinking about your music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds good to me. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna play you some records, and you have to be uh, whatever this is, a music critic, I guess. Okay, that's awesome. Tell us your hot takes about whatever we play. Nice, <laughs> nice. The, the angrier, from, from the very little that I've gotten to know you so far, Sammy, you seem like a very angry person with a lot of built up <laughs> rage. Whoa! So we'd really like to see that <laughs> rage come out um, and some, like, just burning hot takes. Cool, I'll totally channel it for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's unreal how not angry Sammy is. It's really astonishing <laughs> to me. I'll try my best though, I really will. We'll be like comparing life stories and I'll be like, doesn't that make you bitter? And she's like, no, not really. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> You're too well adjusted, Sammy. <laughs> okay, our first song here is Carefree Highway by Gordon Lightfoot. My dad likes him. 
In a good way. <laughs> Do you have positive memories with him? Um, I think my dad, I think my father played me some Gordon Lightfoot when we were driving on my college road trip, and then he bought me a vinyl for my birthday, but I haven't listened to it yet. Wait, you have a you own a vinyl? Yeah, if it's the guy that I'm thinking of, I do, <laughs> but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Dude, what are the odds? That's actually really cool. The odds are one because it already happens. <laughs> <laughs> Let's listen to Carefree Highway. Picking up the pieces of my sweet shadow dream. I wonder how the old folks are tonight. Her name was Anne, and I'll be damned if I recall her face. She left me now knowing what to do. Carefree highway, let me slip away on you. Carefree highway, you've seen better days. The morning after blues, from my head down to my shoes. Slip away, slip away on you Turning back the pages to the times I love best I wonder if she'll ever do the same Now the thing that I call living just been satisfied with knowing I got no one left to blame. Carefree highway, I got to see you, my old flame. Carefree highway, you've seen better days. The morning after blues, from my head down to my shoes. Carefree highway, let me slip away. Slip away on you Searching through the fragments Of my dream-shattered sleep I wonder if the years Have closed her mind I guess it must be wanderlust Or trying to get free from the good old faithful feeling we once knew Carefree highway, let me slip away on you Carefree highway, you've seen the better days The morning after blues, from my head down to my shoes Carefree highway, let me slip away, slip away on you Slip away on you Carefree highway I got to see you My old friend Carefree highway You've seen better days The morning after blue From the head down to my shoe Carefree highway Me slip away Slip away on you
loves driving, man. <laughs> He's carefree. There was like darkness in this though. This was like really like intense in a way I was not expecting. I know, it's got some escapism <laughs> going on. That's pretty sad. Do you think driving on the highway is a good form of escapism? Um, physically, yes. You can get pretty far away from where you're going. <laughs> That's a good point. Wow. Yeah. That is a good hot take. <laughs> where, is he, where is he going? Where is he driving to? I don't know. I don't know. Wherever his heart desires. Isn't he, he, isn't he driving to Anne, the girl that he I, talked about in the beginning? I thought he was driving away from Anne. Yeah. I think they got, she broke, her, broke his heart, and now he's just hitting the road. He was escaping his woman. The old ball and chain. <laughs> I mean, it does say, I've got to see you, my old flame. Oh, actually, I think he might be right. I think he's going back to a girl he, like, barely knew a long time ago. That's nice, too. I think that Anne is the old flame. Oh, wow. I like how this is written so sassily. For the, the third line, her name was Anne, and I'll be damned if I recall her face. <laughs> the <brutal>. Genius <laughs> says, make no mistake. Gordon remembers what Anne looks like, but please don't make him remember. It's hell enough to remember that he lost her. Oh, Aww. ouch. Gordon was Gordon was hurt by a woman. No. No way. What a don't concept hurt, for a song. Don't hurt my Gordon. And he wrote, and he wrote a Gordon. song about it, man. <laughs> now the thing that I call living is just being satisfied with knowing I've got no one left to blame. I don't even fully know what that means yet, but I really like it. It's been a while, and he's got to go back to her, but he doesn't even know if she's still available. This is quite oh. this is quite the risk for Gordon. <laughs> Gordon, no, don't do this. I mean, do you think he should do it? Do you think it will pay off? I think I feel like he's so unsettled without doing it. I feel like he has to do it for inner peace, even if it's gonna hurt. But wow. it's. I think it's definitely gonna hurt. I think you're right, and I think it's gonna hurt. No, Gordon, no. How long ago was this? This was supposed to be a long time. That part of it does seem to conflict with the theme of slipping away, which just seems like such a calm, like, go with the flow kind of a thing, but he's not really going with the flow. He's chasing an old flame. Yeah, that's so interesting. Uh -huh. I would rather just not know what they think of you and live from this day on with that image of them in your head as an old thing and not don't revisit it because it's probably just gonna hurt more. I know that's interesting. I feel like he's reopening a box of hurt. What do you guys think she looks like, Miss Anne? I'm picturing some red hair though. I don't know why I'm getting that. Maybe it's because it's a country song. <laughs> what if her face is just like an amorphous blob of something because he doesn't remember? So it's like distorted to time. That's awful. Okay, he's he thinks about the old folks. Is he talking about his his parents or Anne's parents? Honestly, I I feel that some ways when I'm like having a really terrible time and I'll just be like in a weird situation I'll be like, what are my parents doing? Like that actually comes into my head. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's just kind of like a passing curiosity of like he feels like he hasn't found a long fulfilling relationship and maybe these old folks is like an example of a relationship that seems like long fulfilling that he doesn't get to have. Yeah. That's sweet. Yeah. I bet his parents have a bad relationship too but that's beside the point. What's the, what's the Gordon B-side? The B-side is Seven Island Sweet. Seven islands to the high side of 
bay, across the bay, to the sunset, through the blue light of a fiery autumn haze. We went walking on the high side of the bay on a chilly morn, and we saw how leaves had fallen on the bay. Where trees are born Any man in his right mind Could not fail to be made aware Any woman with the gift of wisdom Would not seek her answers there Seven islands to the high side of the bay you're looking west to the sunset you can see it all in fiery autumn dress any time would be the right time to come out to your bed bows anybody with a wish to wander could not fail but to be aroused You better believe it. 
time you try living on the high side of the bay, you need a rest. Any man or a woman with a wish to fade away could be so blessed. such a crazy song that was like an epic it was like an epic poem did anything happen <laughs> it was an epic poem that i don't understand <laughs> <laughs> will you decipher it for us sammy oh i don't know man i don't i don't know if i can it just goes in circles it's the same lyrics there's really nothing being said here i feel like what the hell does it mean when he says you seem to think because you got chicken to go you're in love <laughs> not coherent <laughs> it reminds me of like hotel california but worse like it's going for the same cryptic vibe but i feel like he missed the mark <laughs> oh you're right he was really trying for something people think wordplay is so creative but most of it, the time i feel like it does not translate and <laughs> it's just really embarrassing this isn't even wordplay they're not even doing anything <laughs> with words they're just drawing them all together Every nation's gonna be shaken. Put it together, don't let it slip. What does that mean? What is he talking about? I don't know, I wish I was there when he wrote it. He was probably having a great time. Why does it need to be six minutes? <laughs> he was like, dude, the truth of the universe has revealed itself to me and I just wrote it down and I'm a fucking genius. Yeah. Think of the air you're breathing in. Dude, he like, he dropped acid and these are like his notes, but we'll never understand because we weren't there. <laughs> Sammy and I were talking about that. Like when you have a massive breakthrough and then you try to explain it to someone and you just sound insane. <laughs> <laughs> Is this that, but we're just on the wrong side of it? Yeah. <laughs> and he tried to put it to music. Do you think it makes it better or worse? <laughs> so much worse. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's so funny. Sometimes it can make it way better, but this was not one of those times. Do it. Do each section fucking once or twice. Don't do them all like four times. Why does it need to be this long? And also, just the quality of the record was so bad that it was <laughs> it's so like hard to listen to for that reason. <laughs> Dude, that that was six minutes of our life we're never gonna get back, and all of the listeners to this as well. <laughs> Any man or a woman with a wish to fade away could be so blessed. What? Okay, I'm, that line makes me think it's like going to the tropics to relax for a while. It's something like that. Like more escapism. 
You don't think it's about like fading away into obscurity after death? Like, I don't want to be <laughs> thought of anymore. Yeah, I was thinking of a similar, it reminded me of when people retire in Florida and they just kind of like fade away and they're old and <laughs> insignificant. <laughs> old people disappear in Florida. Yeah, man. What a way to go if, like, could you, like, humanly crossfade where you just, like, turn transparent and then disappear? Because that's the way I would go. <laughs> humanly crossfade. Th this song sounds like a positive experience when he's talking about slipping away and all of that. Yeah. I think, I think he was a little angsty about it. I could hear, like, the sultriness in his voice. But I agree. I think overall positive. He really said it best at the end of the second stanza with the you got nothing to say. <laughs> Man, I was rooting for him with the first song, but this one is just not doing it for me. I mean, it, it could be genius. It could be that I'm just not uh, analyzing it enough. I haven't read it 14 times, so I haven't seen all the genius connections that he's making, but I hear that it made Riley yawn, so. Are you, are you guys annoyed with it too? Is that just me? No, I'm annoyed with it. I'm annoyed. I feel in following the first song, I'm disappointed because I like the first one a lot more. Yeah, exactly. Go back to that. Don't try to be artsy, Gordon. Make the three-minute pop songs. <laughs> That's my advice to you as a This is as the antithesis to what we almost always say. <laughs> There's a different song about seven lakes, and this one's about seven islands. I think Wait, he, he likes the number seven. He wrote both of them? Yeah. Oh my god. I wonder if they're meant to be listened to together. They're on different albums, I think. So oh, I don't think so. probably not. Though. I don't know. The real fans would know. The real quarter <laughs> Yeah, I should ask my dad. Time to call in the old man. <laughs> oh man, he's definitely asleep. Another time. <laughs> oh no, guess it's time to listen to the next one. Whoa. Which is by the Bee Gees. Yeah. <laughs> Something to hype us up after that snooze fest. Kilburn Towers is the first song. Sit on the hill and we drink and we smell till the early hours. 
I liked the harp in there. Did they just threw it in there? It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that is how you do a song that has weird lyrics that aren't totally understandable, but still means something. Yeah, this has like the same old English kind of thing as Gordon Lightfoot, but it feels more profound in some way. I guess there's more rhythm to it. Yeah, I thought it was well done, totally. I think that a big part of it is that it's way more concise, so every word feels more important instead of having a bunch of random words. And there's, there's still, like, very clear, like, you know, like, intentional things where, like, the first stanza talking about the bird and watch me go drifting by with my feathers of power. It's clearly trying to contrast, so there's actual real poetry in there. I didn't even notice that. That's really cool. Do you think there's, like, a discernible meaning, or is it kind of just impressionistic imagery? I think that it's uh, capturing the feeling of like just being like really satisfied and feeling one with the universe. I think that's what the that could be mean everything and the idea of everything is the main thing that keeps on coming back and he does say then I am everything that's how it ends. So I am everything. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, that's so great. I could actually see this as that thing we were talking about where they have like a moment of enlightenment and they try to write it down. But there's something beautiful about how quaint the lyrics are. Like it does feel like they succeeded in some way. Is he drinking alone? Because why does he say we if he's drinking by himself? Because he's everything maybe. It's just like everything's with me. We're all drinking. Yeah, he doesn't want, any he doesn't want anyone to feel left out. Wait, that's actually really cool. He's become this like hive mind or something. <laughs> so sick. He isn't even one person. <laughs> Wow, I wonder what the, the title is even referring to. Cause I don't see, when I'm Googling it, it's just a song. Like I don't think it exists. And like White Jug, that's that doesn't seem like it's alcohol or anything like that to me, right? Like that just seems like it's literally water. Like he climbed up towers and he's thirsty and he's just like drinking some water, like resting and like, whew, wow, everything. <laughs> <laughs> what life, am I right? I thought, I at first thought alcohol. I think yours is even crazier if he's not under the influence and he's saying all these things. He's just high on life, maybe. He's up on his water tower, it's awesome. <laughs> just looking around. I, I thought it was gorgeous and it was very refreshing to have such a short song after the last song. It's great. Should we go on to the next one? Yeah, what's it called? It's called, I Started a Joke. Yo, I actually know this one. <laughs> I, like I haven't heard of it, but that's such a cool, like, name for a song. Oh wait, this one's crazy, I remember this. There was a, <laughs> there was a cover of this in the Suicide Squad movie because of the Joker. Oh no. But when I was like 15 and I heard the song for the first time, it was very mind-blowing. Alright, I'm excited to be mind-blown now. I'm sorry for the bringing up the Joker. I wish I didn't have to think about that. The <laughs> Joker is fine. Suicide Squad is not.
bitch started the whole world crying But I didn't see That the joke was on me Oh, no I started to cry Which started the whole world laughing Oh, if I'd only see That the joke was on me tell me that that was in Suicide Squad because <laughs> I had to think about it the whole time about Jared Leto Joker no. with <laughs> this song. It's a crazy song. It's so cool. I decided to think about how it could have pretty easily gone in Joker, you know, the, 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 the non-shitty Joker movie, which I think like would have actually worked very well. Joker 2019. <laughs> That's the, the full title is what the year in it too. God, I hate that. Why did I even... Oh, okay. <laughs> we have to restart and scrub that from our mind. Yeah, I'll just bleach <laughs> it out, man. <laughs> Do you guys like it aside from that? Yeah, I think that the vocals are crazy. He, His voice is... I don't know if it's the vinyl, but it sounds, it sounds a little eerie, but I love it. Like kind of wavy and shaky kind of a thing? Yeah. Like it could like give out, but it doesn't, but it's... it's yeah just feels filled with emotion no it was beautiful it was spooky the lyrics were really cool i'm i still don't really know what they mean and i do want to discuss that with you guys it might be like the 
opposite of the last one. Instead of feeling like he's one with everything, it feels like everything is the opposite of whatever he's experiencing. What's your take, Whoa. Riley? Yeah, I can't tell if it's kind of just that 60s thing where they're like juxtaposing images that are the opposite of each other. But I always thought it was either about like a politician or a, like a celebrity or something like that. Just because it's this idea of like cause and effect and you have such little control over how you're perceived. So it's like he's desperately trying to like regain control of his life. But the more he tries to do it, the less control he ends up having. And it, it kind of reminds me of like <laughs> the American political system. I don't know where my mind went there, but <laughs> there's something about it that's just so like cataclysmic. Like the lyrics are so intense. And that it all has to do with one person feels like it has to be a really important person. Unless it's just a really personal story that's been blown up because the lyrics are grandiose in that way. I like the idea of it being about a politician. I feel like I feel like the subject of the song is so isolated and yet they're so in touch with the entire world. It feels like the world's mocking them. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Like they're isolated and yet they have this like really massive effect and that's like a really specific situation to be in that I guess celebrities and politicians have. Yeah. And the and the idea of it being such a like trivial thing, like just a joke in general. Yeah. A joke that can destroy the entire planet. <laughs> I think the best evidence for that reading is the like hurting my head from things that I'd said. Like that second to last stanza where like it really like I looked at the skies running my hands over my eyes and I fell out of bed hurting my head from things that I had said. It's dark. Like, there's something really terrible happened. But you don't know what it is, really. They never really give you information, other than the fact that he's disconnected. Like, I guess the important part is he's not getting what he wants. <laughs> he gets the opposite of what he wants. Yeah, it's so easy to picture this, like, discombobulated speaker who's, like, I feel like he's lightheaded and, like, overwhelmed and he's stumbling about in his room. There is something so scary about all these songs from the 60s. Just the open space and all of that. And the drugs that were going around. <laughs> Sorry, I'm silent because I'm reading real analysis about it. Whoa. <laughs> Did you know it was also in Zoolander? Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that. I feel like it really hit two opposite ends of the spectrum with the movies. Oh. That's crazy. <laughs> Another song fact. Faith No More decided to cover the song after hearing it at a karaoke bar in Guam, which used <laughs> pornographic backdrops for the lyric screens. Whoa. Whoa, that's so cool. Dude, you should just be reading us random facts about the song. That's a, that should be the new podcast. Just read the Wikipedia entry. The biggest thing that it says is exactly what we've all been talking about with someone has said or done something horribly wrong, and everyone around them is alienated you know or they're alienated from everyone around them and like because they're awful other people like you know are really hurt by it and then when he starts crying then people are like yeah you should start crying the trajectory of this band is so weird too because this is like really psychedelic yeah. in some ways and then they became like a disco band in the 70s like that's a complete shift in perception yeah it's so i don't know a lot of bgs so I didn't know what to expect, and this was totally not it, but it's also lovely. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that's a good thing that they are able to deliver two very different sounds. 
It shows their range. I remember I saw an, a documentary about them like over quarantine and it was like it was literally because of poor sales and then they happened to change like right when disco was taking off so they changed like in the best possible direction and then became one of the biggest bands in the world do you think at the that time was... people were like oh the bgs sold out they were like calling yeah, frauds people hated the bgs that was the whole thing where they were like burning records and like this baseball stadium oh. it was terrible that's there awful was, like, this whole like movement against disco it was billed as disco demolition night a rock disc jockey came up with the idea of blowing up disco records as part of his self-serving campaign against disco and the white Sox went along by admitting anybody bringing a disco record for 98 cents and like the bgs were like one of the poster children of that or like of like what was bad about disco but the whole thing was like super racist obviously and like burning records is a horrible image it makes me really sad so bad for the yeah. environment, man. <laughs> also, they had to like buy them to burn them too, so you're still supporting the artist. That's so you counterproductive. Yeah, that's crazy. Scary stuff. That's some Nazi shit. Riley, are you more offended by record burning or by book burning? Oh my god, this is a bad position to be in. <laughs> I, mean, I personally enjoy records more than books. They're both terrible. I'm, I will be on record saying the Nazi situation was far worse than the disco situation. But they're wow, both, Riley, um, you are so brave. No, that's so out against Nazis. <laughs> that's Riley's hot take of the night, man. <laughs> the Nazis were bad, guys. Come on. <laughs> I'm gonna come out and say it. I don't like the Nazis. I'm not a fan of those guys. Just for the record, I don't like them either. Just wanted to clear my name. I was gonna say, Sammy, you you were really held out on that. <laughs> Didn't want to be too quiet. Like, maybe I maybe I can get away without saying that the Nazis were bad. <laughs> Not really a big fan. Have you guys heard of? I'm gonna probably butcher the name, but Merle Haggard. Oh yeah, one no. of the big country guys. Oh fun country. He's I, he, I but he but he's the real deal person. country. He's none of that. 90s he's the good he's, country. He's like the outlaw country with Willie Nelson and all of them. Nice. Did you know that he died on his birthday? <laughs> I didn't know that. That's really sad. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But it could also be happy. It's like, yeah, nice. Did he die of old age? <laughs> uh, I mean, he was old, so I'm assuming so. That's good. I feel, like it's, I feel like it could be happy then, but if you're young and you die on your birthday, then it's really terrible. Well, yeah, sure. If you're like, it's my birthday. <laughs> Party. No, but this is so oh, God. That was no. way younger than I was thinking. Hills <laughs> just went for the worst possible answer. This song is called Swinging Doors. Uh, not one of the famous ones, I think. So smoke-filled bar is something I'm not used to But I gave up my home to see you satisfied And I just called to let you know where I'll be living It's not much, but I feel welcome here inside I've got swinging doors, a jukebox, and a 
bar stool And my new home has a flashing neon sign Stop by and see me anytime you want to Cause I'm always here at home till closing time songs like he's the ultimate bachelor he's living at the bar (laughs) he lives there wait where does he go home after it closes they don't even say i think i think that's his spot man he wanders the streets he walks around until they open again and then he just sits down it it, it's kind of sad because at like a normal bar the bartenders like can get to know you and you know they're like regulars so yeah you're still an alcoholic but there it's like you know, there's more of a sense of community and he's trying to force that with this new situation and he's forcing his new home. It's it's pretty sad. Something's kind of cute about this song. <laughs> cute. <laughs> Just the idea. He's giving you a house tour. This is like MTV Cribs. He's like, it's not much, but I feel welcome here inside. He's like, you know, a little bit embarrassed, but he's showing you his, his place. He's proud of it. Yeah, I think it's sweet. It's like it's like a slice of life. It paints a it paints a lovely <laughs> picture of him. <laughs> slice of life of a, a homeless alcoholic. Ah, he's got a bar stool and swinging doors. Like, why is swinging doors the detail that he that he keeps bringing up? It's not very impressive. What's more impressive, the flashing neon sign? Yeah, that's awesome, dude. He's got a neon sign. That's so cool. My house doesn't have that. I mean, the neon sign is a great example of the kind of thing that wouldn't be back a home that he talks about in the first place, where he says, I gave up my home to see you satisfied. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, then he keeps on going back to the swinging doors. So what is what is that about? Can you read the song bio that you found, Riley? Oh yeah, so the, the, just the song bio on Genius for the song Swinging Doors is Swinging Doors. <laughs> That's all they have to say, is just the title of the song. So it's, it's not been reviewed yet, but what, what can we get from that? 
swinging, swinging door. But the D in that, that is lowercase actually. So maybe there's something there. I don't know. I mean, I like the idea of like, I've got everything I need to drive me crazy. That's actually an interesting way of talking about substance abuse. Yeah, maybe it's where all the lonely cowboys are camping out. That's like a theme with the first song we heard. Escapist, male, old timey, getting away from the woman that wronged them. But I do feel like with this song and the Gordon Lightfoot one, I'm, I'm on the side of the woman, really. Like, I bet this guy was a lousy lover, if this is what he's up to now. <laughs> you yeah, make a good point. at the bar. Yeah. Like, if he's just gonna go here, that's like his first course of action, then yeah, maybe he didn't have as much integrity as she wanted. Yeah, screw you, I'm living at the bar now. I would be like, <laughs> we broke up for a reason, I guess. <laughs> yeah, you're just... <laughs> wow. Guys, the next song, we don't have to jump there now, but I, I don't think that there's a title that has made me more com- uncomfortable than this title. Uh oh. <laughs> oh no. I think I know which one. It, does it have to do with the girl? It's called the girl turned ripe. Yeah. <laughs> Please. Uh-oh. This is we, dude. We gotta. Oh, we gotta listen now. What if it's not bad at it's all? It's okay. Yeah. I mean, is there a way to interpret the title that's like not? uncomfortable maybe let's listen to the song give it the benefit of the doubt and then when it crushes us and is awful then we'll have riley do a rendition of whatever bg song he chooses well the girl turned ripe and the pickers came today had an uncle who was farming down in tennessee and i stopped by to see him there and brought this friend with me he had a daughter, 17, whose name was Clementine. And sure enough, they fell in love with her and this friend of mine. He said the girl turned ripe and the pickers came today. He said there ain't no need me begging her to stay. Old Uncle Dave just shook his head and turned away. He said the girl turned ripe and the pickers came today. Fell in love with a gal that made her home in Louisiana. And her daddy was a hard and strict but very humble man. And he shook me up that day I went to ask him for a hand. But I felt better when I heard him same old words again. Well, the girl turned ripe and the pickers came today. Said there ain't no need me begging her to stay. He just shook his head and slowly walked away. He said the girl turned ripe and the pickers came today. Now me and this gal from Louisiana, we got a family. Got a little dog with big brown eyes that we call Shamarie. And there's a great long line of pickers waiting to talk to me. About a sweet little gal of mine that we call Shamarie. Yeah, I say the girl turned right and the pickers came today. Said there ain't no need me begging her to stay. I just shook my head and grinned at them and walked away. I said the girl turned right and the pickers came today. I said the girl turned right and the 
Packers came today. Merle, why'd you do that? She was a minor. She was only 17. Dude, was that the age? Did she turn 17 and, and then they're like, it's okay now? Oh. <laughs> this is so oh. awful. <laughs> Who are the pickers? The pickers? The pickers. It's... The dad's just, friends, who are the same age as the dad, in my mind. It's against the laws. Yeah, for good reason. Okay, this is gonna be hard, but if we look past... <laughs> yeah? The, like, the disgusting metaphor. Uh-huh. It could be, like, kind of an interesting uh, exploration of, like, parents coming to terms with like their kids moving on at, at the very base of it there is some acceptance of like well i don't have full control over my daughter anymore i get where you're coming from <laughs> i think that was impressive that you that you did that yeah that was wonderful do you remember rude by magic that song that came out in, like 2014 Oh, he's gonna marry her anyway, yeah. He's gonna marry her anyway. Yeah. That's like that's like the same idea as this loosely, but with less disgusting imagery. <laughs> what if he what if Magic heard the girl turn ripe and then he was like, I need to write my own phone? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like twenty fourteen reggae soft pop song. <laughs> totally. I hate the idea of her blossoming sexuality being defined by her father's friends. <laughs> so gnarly. <laughs> okay, yeah, I feel like you're the only person in this group suited to talk about this. What would your uh, history of lesbians in Portland class say about this song? <laughs> oh my god, it would hate this song. They were probably they were probably happening at the same time, but the separationalists were probably not listening to Merrill Haggard. So <laughs> I don't even think it was on their radar, man. <laughs> It's, it's definitely tasteless and weird, well, that's probably not the actual intention, which, you know, doesn't really matter, but if we do think about the intention to try to get something more out of the song, it's about discussing this relationship. Dude, and then he has a kid, and then it happens with the kid, that's just, oh, weird choices. Gnarly, so gnarly. Uh, usually we have to struggle in deciding which two of the three records we keep. I feel like it's pretty obvious that we don't keep this last one. Yes. You agree, Sammy? I totally agree. Wow. It's a that bummer. girl staying in the back drawer. Then <laughs> <laughs> Roll Hygrid's got some good stuff, too. That's laying that we got this one. Well, you can't tell by the way I walk. I'm always laying my time to show. She's oh, wow. Well. I was born and it's I didn't even have to. That's so beautiful. Thank, Thank you, you so much for joining us, Sammy. <laughs> Thank you, Sammy. Thank, Thank you for you. putting up with our bullshit. <laughs> I love the rendition. I was I was honored to be here and to listen to these wonderful songs. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening. And remember, keep, keep spinning. spinning. Oh, I don't like journalists. Journalists. Oh, I despise them. Why? They're disgusting. With the exception of you. With the exception of you. Yeah.
ghost you haunt me. 